Brian, are you in town? Hey, I see a bunch of people popping in here. What's up, y'all? Brian, are you in town? Brian Motes. Brian, if you're in Moscow and you ain't been to my studio yet, man, we got to talk. Brian, you in town? Yes, sir. Sure am. Where are you Look at? Look forward to it. Where are you at? I can't give you an exact address. Um, <laughs> all right. All right. I'll, I look be, I'll be at the Nazarene tonight and I'll see you this week. Okay. I'm looking forward to seeing you, brother. Really looking forward to it. All right. You too, man. If you're out there and you're watching from locals, first of all, thank you. I got to tell you guys, people have been so kind over at locals to give me $5. It's amazing. Thank you very much. You local fans over there. It's not like a whole bunch of people, but when somebody just gives you some money, because you're talking on a microphone, it's just encouraging. I'm just going to tell you, it's really encouraging. I don't, Or if you share the show, which I was going to ask everybody to do. So if you're locals, like and subscribe. Do the local thing. I appreciate that. We have Twitter video. I'm on Twitter video right now, streaming live. It's not pre-recorded. This is us about to talk, and I see y'all out there. If you're on YouTube, yo, I'm going to read your comments if I like them. And I'm going to post them. So go ahead and comment on the chats in YouTube. Rumble, I wasn't able to get running right. Facebook, hello. How y'all doing? We on Facebook right now, too. So do something for me. I'm going to talk to y'all just a little bit about sharing stuff. You control the algorithm when you engage something that you like. Don't just like it and then tell somebody to look at it. No, hit the share button. Like it and then leave a comment on it, even if it's like an emoji. It just doesn't matter. Engage with it because you're actually influencing the algorithm and say, hey, I like this. I don't like that. And guess what the algorithm starts to do? Bring you and um, I was at G G3 last week. I don't, Max, I don't know if I, I met you. The algorithm starts bringing things to you that you like. So, and it starts pushing back content that isn't good. You can train the algorithm. If you're in the spaces right now, X spaces, Guys, hit the share button. Want to hear from you. Love the chat with you. Caleb, what's up, bro? Good to see you. Saw you at G3. It was really nice. Watching from Anaheim. I see you. Okay. All right. Y'all hit that. So today is officially the very first Marvelous Monday. I told you I was going to be doing a show every day about two weeks ago now kind of tried to keep up with that i only missed one day so far i missed thursday and there's a big samuel say it was his fault he took me out for drinks and boy he got a little toast um, i won't put samuel business out there i'm just joking samuel he doesn't even like bourbon so we're working on maturing him but samuel say and my boy darren stead and my my family the evans john and evan is his wife and we hung out um with john root and just had a great conversation for like all night thursday and I didn't want to record it and put it out because uh, <clears throat> we were at a restaurant and I couldn't bring my recording equipment. Anyway, guys, everybody hit the share button, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Um, if you don't have money, this is one of the best things to do is to make sure that uh, the social media platforms know this is the kind of content that you want to see develop. So we're going to talk about a couple things today. We're going to talk about the first Marvelous Monday of Knox Unleash. And boy... I got a few things on my mind. I don't even know how it's going to come out. It's going to come out blah, all over the place. 
but I think it's important. So I told you guys all about the shows that are going to be going on this week. So we got Marvelous Mondays. We got uh, T3, which is Tech Theonomy Tuesdays. Work Wednesday. Oh, I have a sponsor. I got my first sponsor. I have a sponsor who has their own clothing um, and trinket uh, company, and they sponsored Knox Unleash. And I'm so excited. And this sponsor, you guys, is 13, oh, oh, 18 years old. Got to hear this story coming on Work Wednesday. So let me talk to her on Wednesday. Um, but anyway, so Work Wednesdays, and then we do te- uh, Thread Inception Thursdays. And I really am going to need you guys' help for that. I'm going to be having my thread out, going through comments. You guys are going to be having your thread out. You guys are going to be talking back and forth to me via Spaces or on YouTube, which is blowing up right now. And let's let's have a conversation about what's going on in our threads and work through it theologically. I think that'll be a little fun. Not everything on the thread needs to be, yeah, I see my guys in here. What's up, young Flav? How you doing? It's good to meet you at G3. I still don't believe that was your father. Anyway, um, <laughs> inside joke. You guys wouldn't understand. Um, so we're going to work through Thread Inception Thursdays. That's just a huge dialogue. Crowdsourcing our content. And then Fridays, Family Fridays. If you missed the last Family Friday with David Reese, you missed a wonderful show. David Reese lays out very clearly a very good covenant theology dominion mandate and how it works itself out in these three categories of prophet priest and king um, and man's responsibility and duty and the wife's responsibility and duty to her husband and how that works together to bring dominion really good with david reese i'm going to try and get him on every friday so what's going on this week this week here in moscow idaho is the crec council and so We have a very, very packed schedule. And I got to tell you right now, I don't think that I'm going to be able to do a show all the days, but that doesn't mean there won't be content. There's going to be so much content. We've decided Wednesday and Thursday that we are going to have, oh, let me see. Where's the list? Oh, here. I got it right here. Got the list of all the pastors. Then it's just let's count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Eighteen pastors are going to be in studio between Wednesday and Thursday, and we're going to live stream from like, oh, what's that time? Twelve thirty till five o'clock. Just pastors in, popping in and out. Saw you from a distance at G3. Our family so appreciates your work. I'm in Ohio. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's very kind. Next time, come say something. I'd love to have met you guys and meet your family. I'm guessing they're not baptized, but I expect that they will be. Anyway, long list of pastors that are going to uh, be coming in from all over the place to, to meet for the CRAC. Uh, I think they can do a council every three years. So it's going to be absolutely packed. And so I won't be streaming Wednesday or Thursday. And so Thursday, we're going to have a live show with David Bonson here in the New Art Theater in Moscow, Idaho. So David Bonson will be in town and we'll be doing a live show with him. So there's going to be a lot of content that we're going to be dropping for you guys in between now and then. Uh, Who do we just have on? Um, Oh, I'll leave that a secret. But then, so tomorrow, I think I'll be able to do a show, and that'll be T3, um, which is Tech Theonomy uh, Tuesday. I always want to call it Thursday. So anyway, hey, thank you guys for being with me. So here's um, 
we had a wonder, I had a wonderful time at G3. I met a lot of people that I didn't know. I saw a lot of people that I previously knew. I uh, surprised that I didn't lose and pull out my beard during the uh, gospel in, uh, in the state conversation and panel. I thought Dr. White was excellent. Really appreciated Dr. White. Uh, and it's funny to me that Dr. White, I think, really represents my position very well. My position, anyway. Um, and I thought he did a really good job of, I think, putting some people at ease about post-millennial theonomic um, idea. Oh, I wrote down some things about that that I really wanted to say. But anyway, so I was really, it was really fun to see. Another thing that was fun to see was to see 8,300 people. I don't even know the last number of account of how many people actually showed up. And that was really encouraging. I'll get to that in just a second later, but I just want to make it clear. G3 did have me there doing some filming. I was doing some filming for them. That's going to be really awesome stuff that you guys will get to see later. And I don't think it's, it's, it's no uh, secret that we share different positions on things, but I want to make it very clear that we share 99.7% the same doctrine. Like we, we, that's where we were at. And even though they might disagree with me on some things, those are still my brothers and they just don't know that I'm right. And eventually I'll win them over to my position because I'm post-millennial. So if they don't even agree with me now, they will in heaven because I'm right. And I just assume to believe that everybody agrees with me. I just haven't done a good enough job explaining it to them yet. So that's my position. That's why I like to hang out with folks and talk to them because I just, I just need, they just need to be explained a little bit better for them. And we just need to do a better job. Matter of fact, I found that out a lot talking to a lot of people there. Um, especially around the idea of theonomy, post-millennialism, um, even the ideas of Christian nationalism. For the record, I don't consider myself a Christian nationalist. I don't like the name. I really get hung up on the title of Christian nationalism. And here's why. Let me just tell you why I don't like the, the title. And, and this isn't about the, um, I have a lot of Christian nationalist friends and we share the road really closely. But the title bothers me because here, we are the people Oh, this is going to get some people mad. Okay, I don't care. We are the people who really, really, really care about pronouns. And we don't want a man running around claiming that he's a woman. Nor do we want a woman running around claiming that she's a man. And we don't want some guy thinking that he's a dog. Because that they're not. And they're not being honest. And it's not the truth. And I think the title Christian nationalism actually means something. It actually has an end. Nationalism is a thing. It has a teleos, right? It has a completion. And so I, when I hear nationalism, I believe it means something. So I don't want to, the, the idea of nationalism, I love Jason Farley and I've been talking about this a lot on Knox Unplugged, not Knox Unleashed, which is what you're listening to right now, Knox Unleashed. We talked a lot about this. We've talked a lot about the idea that nationalism usually is what happens when all your other loyalties of overlapping covenants go to die. But I got to say, I don't think my brothers who are talking about Christian nationalism are actually talking about Christian nationalism. I think they're talking more about a national Christianity, which is more of a patriotic, a patriotic Christian, which I heard even Owen say that he's patriotic and agrees with it. And I'm like, man, I think... I really do believe that a lot of guys are not doing the real 
work to have the conversations with people who they tend to be a little spicy and disagree with to really understand where they're coming from. And so my Christian nationalist brothers are are getting straw man and then they're barking back and then the other side is barking back and no one is even talking about the subject anymore. And here's another, no one's even talking or making an argument forward. I would have loved to hear what a Christian political Baptist philosophy, political philosophy looked like. I thought that would have been really good to know how does a Baptist work through Christian political philosophy or should a Baptist even have a Christian political philosophy? Because it's one thing to critique someone who's making a claim. It's a whole nother thing to say this is how it should be. And the, the example would be you got a lot of brothers who are good, solid Christian brothers that are saying, listen, I, I really just don't want drag queen story hour. You know, I really don't think that mosques should need to be mosques need to be playing their call to prayer in the public square. No, I don't think the public square is neutral. Yes, I think this nation was founded on Christian principles and the things that we're doing right now is giving up the sinner. And so I don't think the people that I talk to that are that claim and have a public disposition or opposition to Christian nationalism, when I talk to them, I started to realize they're really not that far away from each other at all especially those brothers that are talking about Christian faithfulness. And I'm going to get to that in just a second. So I just want to make it clear. I don't speak for G3. I'm not a voice of G3. Those guys, where are all the Baptist churches that teach theonomy? There's some out there. Jeff Durbin is one of them. You can find that. There's, there's, there's few. I think there's more coming in, um, Chico, just to answer your question. And so here's something that I saw while I was there. The place was massive. I mean, think about this, Christians, and a lot, the whole point of G3 is to support the local church. That's their whole message. We support the local church. I'm post-millennial. When you say stuff like that, it causes goosebumps to get on my neck. <laughs> All right, and I'll get, I'll get to more of that in just a second, but here's the deal. G3 has a conference supporting the local church. How awesome is that? And they've been doing it for years. I was there at the first G3 conference. And so they haven't changed in their position what they've been doing. And this one is the biggest one that they've ever had. Lots of pastors, lots of laymen that are coming there. A lot of people who are elders and they're deacons that are coming to the conference. And so what I see that God is doing in the church is very, very encouraging when you have a conference come pretty much out of nowhere over the last few years and to bubble up into the, the name and the title of Ligonier and get into the place of uh, Together for the Gospel and get into the place where they're going to be largest T4G and watching them grow. And a lot of them that are, are trying to, a lot of people are trying to find where are the solid, good biblical teachers that are going to help us advance theologically in our public life, in our private life, because that's what the church is. The church is God's way of bringing redemption to the world. The church is the one who brings the gospel of Jesus Christ that transforms the mind and the heart and the, and the actual um, uh, uh, position 
of that person before the throne. So now he sits with Christ in the heavenly places, sanctified. And so once the gospel transforms the human heart, it doesn't just stay internal because we're not Gnostics. The gospel actually has an external reality to it. And so a man then finds himself living in the way that God has required him to live next to his neighbors, next to his politicians in his country. And so he searches the scripture to find out how does God require me to act in all of these different areas and how do I engage? And the teaching of the church is to equip these people that live wholly before God in every aspect of life and teaches, think about how important it is to learn and understand how sovereign God is. That God sovereignly designed and picked everything to come to pass that will come to pass. And there's nothing that happens apart from his choosing and his doing. And so you can rest in that and you can operate in that because God is sovereign. You can operate and do things with the type of freedom that you know that God is working it out for his good, for your good, and for his glory. That is an amazing doctrine. And you got 8,300 people, 8,400 people that are uh, here at the conference to hear that. And so it sounds like there's a little party going on in my studio back here. So if I yell at them, you guys forgive me. And I was just thinking about this. I was like, man... I don't think that they would ever think of this, but G3 is creating and, and, and advancing, in one sense, I see it as advancing the post-millennial worldview. <laughs> they, would hate, they would hate me for that. Um, they would hate me for saying that. I mean, not hate me, but they would absolutely disagree with me on that. But I'm a post-millennialist. You don't have to agree with my position in order for me, in order for it to be true or for me to be right or for it uh, to operate that way. Let me tell you how this works. As churches go back more equipped, do you think that the blessings of God would do more or less in their community? As churches go back more equipped, do you expect more souls to be saved and more covenant um, lawsuits to be given or less? And when I say this, I'm saying when you come back and you come back equipped with the understanding of the gospel and equipped with the word of God and enriched, you are going to be bold to preach the gospel, to bring covenant lawsuit to disobe disobeyers and to call those people who are not obeying God to repent. And then you're going to be more equipped to tell people how to live godly lives before the, the throne of the Lord in this world, how to love your wives better, how to love your children better, how to... How in the world do you operate in this world when you have so much against you? When when you have um, James Coates was there because he got arrested. All of his all of his um, fines and the charges were dismissed. How encouraging is that for the body to see a man stand up and say, "When it's time to be bold, stand there," because it is essential. It's a requirement that God's people must worship. And I'm sorry, state. You don't get to control that because it's you're not the God. Now, I know you ain't thinking about a post-mill, but it, it can't help be. It's, it's inescapable that equipping the church, blessing the church, um, uplifting your brothers, 
fellowshipping and edifying believers. It's inescapable reality of covenant that that is going to have a glorious outcome. And, and, when I, and, and when I say glorious, again, I speak of this in two different ways. If we're martyred for it, it's glorious. And if this, the, the politicians and the state and if anybody else repent, that's glorious. So glory comes in two ways in my worldview. Either we die for the sake of the gospel and the blood of the martyrs waters the ground so that others can come to faith in Jesus Christ and the name of Christ is made known through the blood of martyrs. That is glorious. That is magnificent. Or, or it's on the other side where your politicians and your mayors and your city councils start hearing about the goodness of Christ and start saying, what does it look like to honor Christ in my sphere? What does it look like for me to bend the knee what, what I have before the rest of my political neighbors and friends? How does it look like to model the gospel here? You only have, that's, there's no other options. There is no middle here. If we're doing our job right, and I'm thinking about, man, you got 8,300 churches being encouraged. Praise God for that. Because that, that's only going to lead to more strengthening of the body of Christ, which means to more glorification of Christ, which means that if he be lifted up, all men will be coming to him. Man, what a post-millennial thing to do. And I, and so, and here's where I wanted to go with this, because this is really good. Okay. As, as the, uh, come Friday, so I'm doing a show Friday with Dave Reese. And come Friday, post-mill the anonymous everywhere. Thank you for your service. Yes, sir, Nathan. Hey, what's up, Nathan Anderson? I see you. I'm doing a show Friday with David Reese. And at the end of the show, young Flav, who was on here, sends the message on spaces. Hey, bomb threat at G3. And I was like, what in the world? I was just there. I hope everybody's okay. Is this real? Is it fake? I didn't know what to do. So what it seems like happened, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, if you were there, it seems like a guy ran up on stage right before they were going to play the essential church film. By the way, you should go see that because you probably didn't get a chance to see it at G3. Um, but he runs up on stage and yells, bomb, and the fire alarms are broken from what I understand. But something like that, somebody somehow it got out there was a bomb threat and they evacuated the building. The, the rest of the evening was ruined. There, there was no movie to be shown. They couldn't get back into the building until the next day because they had to sweep. The can't, you got to take those things kind of serious. You had to sweep the whole building and make sure that the building was safe. And, and so you, how long does that take? That's a pretty big place. You're talking about holding something like 8,300 people at least in that building? Just a bit pretty, every area, every room, every spot, right? And I was, and I was just thinking, man, who, who wants to be in a place where you're running a conference with that many people and you get a bomb threat? Believe the guy was arrested. I don't believe they found any bombs, but just ruined an evening. And as I'm thinking about this, I'm, I look on social media and I see so many people down in the lobby of the hotel that we were staying at. I believe it was, uh, oh, what I can't remember the name of the hotel right now. But it was at the bottom of the hotel we were staying at. Well, not Hilton. Marriott. We were staying at the Marriott. And in the lobby of the Marriott, there was washer, vice, annual, 
everybody was down there and they broke out into a song and start singing a hymn. Great is thy faithfulness. Thank you. Thank you, Kristen. Yeah, I thought yeah. <laughs> she got me on that one. You were a little late. Next time, jump in here faster. And they started singing Great is Thy Faithfulness. And that clip started making the rounds all over social media. That clip went everywhere. And I started seeing news stories pop up talking about what was going on. And that clip was in the news stories talking about how they sung that. And I was thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, this guy sought to create a stir Make a mess of what was going on at G3. Whoever the hater was, they decided to get up there and scream bomb. And the way that God's sovereignty worked in all of it, that it was better for them to have that situation than to just watch the movie. You wouldn't have got the same kind of press. You wouldn't have been able to get the same type of attention if you said, hey, we're going to show the essential movie at G3 tonight. Now, nobody wants this. This is not, in our secular minds, nobody wants to have to deal with the bomb threat. Nobody wants that. But when God sends you trouble, you say thank you. When God sends you trouble, you don't look at it and, and bemoan it. He's sovereign. And so you take it and you say, Lord, thank you for the trouble. Teach me how to be faithful in this moment. And then you, you put some titanium in your backbone and you find you a psalm or a hymn and you sing it and you trust the Lord and you watch him provide for you. So now G3 has a whole hindered event, and you would think, oh, this is ruined. And then now all of a sudden they get all this attention from social media. Even people who were disagreeing with them and fighting and bickering back and forth and sharing it and talking about, we're praying for you guys over there. May God be blessed. And all the eyes all of a sudden turn and look, and they get a perfect moment to really point to the sovereignty of God. Man, come on. Are you kidding me? Who writes this stuff? God writes this stuff. And that's what I mean. Like, that is so hardcore post-meal, man. Like, you can't. <laughs> You're already doing a bit using the instrument that God has. Let me tell you something about the church, man. Here's why the church is so beautiful. Every other government has borders. Your family has borders. Your church has borders. Locally, but not universally. The church is the one entity out of everybody else that doesn't have a border like a state and um, like the self-government. It's the one that doesn't, it can go over. So America has its borders. Every other nation has its borders. The church, God's rule and reign, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to him. The church doesn't have any limitations of where it can go on this planet. It can go everywhere. So then the church is the one institution out of all of them that actually has jurisdiction in every environment. Darren Stead, God working post-mill stuff out on an all-mill conference. Come on, brother. Amy, it was so amazing. I mean, but this is, this is the deal. You can't help. You can't help. People say, well, we're not called to be uh, post-millennials and bring God's kingdom. As well. You can't help it. What do you think the gospel's doing when you're preaching it? What are you doing? You can't help it. Uh-oh, some of my TV just popped up in the background trying to mess up what I'm doing. That's the devil. I rebuke you right now, Satan. Get from here. Get from here, devil. It's gone. You can't help it. If you're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can't help but expect something to take place. It's not going to be stale. 
It's going it's going to have an effect that is either going to bring judgment or going to bring success. That's what the gospel does. We know what the gospel does. It will either bring judgment or success. There's no middle ground. So when a nation is getting judged because they choose not to honor God, that's because this is God's world with God's rule. Things that are not the wicked does not have a way to maintain success in the reign of Christ. And he is ruling and reigning right here, right now. And the church is his bride crushing through the work of the Father, the enemies of Christ by the proclamation of the gospel. So not one enemy of Christ is going to be able to stand as the church continues to be glorified, beautified, you know, edified. You can't escape it. And that was what was so interesting. You guys, if you want to jump in anywhere in here, another thing is trying to pop back up again. I see some chats. I see some Psalm 2 in there, Logan. You ain't right. Go ahead and say it, though. It was good hanging out with my guy, Darren Stead. I see we got a few people inside of uh, spaces, too. My guy, Motes, he left me. That's okay. I still like him. So I'm going to open up. Okay, here we go. Here we go. This is, hey, okay, let me tell you the rules now. So Dan Mo, DMO, uh, I'm going to tell you, if you ain't shared the show, I'm not going to let you speak. So I got to know you done shared the show or you ain't speaking. Just how it is. So let me go see you. I'm going to go to your page, check you out. And I don't see the show shared at all. I don't see the show shared. Although, you, you know, you're sharing some J by the Charlie. That's nice. But you didn't share this show. So, Dan, you got to go share this show if you're going to talk with me. I'm sorry, Dan. I'm sorry, Dan. Hit that share button. It ain't that hard. If you can hit the request button, why don't churches want to sing psalms? <laughs> oh, man. Um. You know, um, there's a lot of reasons for that. And my most generous reason it, without being um, too bitey is, is that we just haven't been taught. Uh, we just haven't been taught. It's, it's Psalm singing has, man, it's amazing. Matter of fact, let me just say this too. The, the reason why that if you go, if you can't, the Psalms are just the victory of Christ, the victory of Christ, the victory of Christ, all, constantly everywhere, all over the Psalms. Um, <laughs> my boy Darren Steed. Yeah. Darren, I'm almost going to send you a link because you're on YouTube. I'm almost going to send you a link to come chat. Um, Knox, are you Psalm only? No, I'm not Psalm only, but I'm Psalm mostly. How about that? <laughs> I think that we have, I think the Psalms are to teach us and that we should be singing them constantly so that we can learn how to write in that same manner. Uh, and so I think that throughout church history, we have had a lot of a lot of good and godly. Uh, what is going on in my studio? Somebody's banging something. Good and godly men who have been writing in the same that have been that the church have been singing for a long, like Amazing Grace. You know, it fits inside of that. Um, and so I think there's. I'm, I'm mostly Psalms. I don't think that we need to be singing anything else for a long time because we haven't, we've lost something in not singing the Psalms. 
You know, my reason for thinking that people are singing the psalms is because they're immature. And I, I think about this with Hebrews when it says you should be moving on to other things outside of um, the the milk, which is like baptism and stuff like that. I, I think. All right, Darren, next time. Darren said he can't get on because he has a call to jump on. Um, but I think that we are we are immature because we haven't. And nobody's been really teaching us. Um, music has is is been one of the few areas, I think, in the modern church that we've just, we should have known when we give up and say, we can get people to come to church if we stop singing the songs that have been handed down to us from our, our forefathers. That's a fifth, fifth commandment violation. I'm in and out like a Pentecostal salvation. <laughs> Darren. Darren, stop it. Get away. Um, and so I really just lack it up to the lack of teaching, the lack of, the lack of someone to disciple us into that. Um, and ignorance. You know, when you... Yeah, so I could talk about that for a while. All right, I, I got to see here. Dan Mo, did you go ahead and share the show or did you not? Let me see. I didn't see him saying anything. Anybody else want to jump in? See if he did. Yes, he did. Dan, you can speak now. <laughs> Dan, thank you so much. <laughs> I run a hard bargain, don't I, Dan? Uh-oh. Dan, are you there? Oh. Dan's pad is not working well. Uh, sorry, Dan. I'm not getting you work out. Why don't you? He, my boy Jake McAtee just popped into the room. Jake, you didn't miss it. I didn't say everything I need to say. You're done. So, uh, first post milk conversion is becoming Reformed Baptist. The singing psalms only. Okay. Let me see. What is this one here? I got some only some only folks in here. I like y'all psalms. Equals Psalms, hymns equals Psalms, uh, Psalm 113, 118, and 139. Spiritual songs, HS inspired songs, only the Bible. I ain't mad at you. You could totally do that. Anybody else want to jump in on the conversation, feel free. Uh, who else was there at the G3 event? So, so again, so here's... We have to remember that um, the church is the instrument by which God goes about transforming the world. And when you do a conference, when you do a conference directed primarily at the local church, for the local church, you are getting to the very vein by which you're going to start bringing transformation in every city, state, country, all of it. You're going to start bringing transformation to all of it because the, the church doesn't end up staying in the church. These people, oh, man, they're everywhere. Henry Knox, what's up, man? Good to see you. What resources can I look into about singing psalms? Psalms? <laughs> um, you know what? Look up Dr. Herb. He's got some great stuff on psalm singing. Dr. Herb, um, he's really good on that. Um, 
and you, he has songs and everything. Also, there's an app called Sing Your Part if you want to just start learning how to sing songs. He's a, a Sing Your Part app. Download it, and you can hear that has a piano playing. It has all the parts broken down. Um, I think Scott Annual has some good stuff on psalm singing, too, and singing psalms. He, he had a whole talk about this, um, singing the war songs of the church. James Jordan. Oh, I don't think... When it comes to psalm singing, I don't think anybody has been better on psalm singing than James Jordan. He's been after it for a very long time. Um, James Jordan, uh, there's some stuff on the Theopolis app from James Jordan that deals with psalm singing. Uh, fantastic stuff. Um, and one of the things that when Gabe Wrench got arrested a, a while ago, one of the things that I thought about was, man, if I got arrested because I'm proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and standing bold up to people who think that they're God in this world, but they're not, and they throw me in jail, um, do I know enough scripture to sing? And when I realized that I don't know these in my heart, I don't have these memorized, it convicted me. And I'm like, okay, the reason that I don't know this is because I'm not actually working hard to do it. The reason that I don't have a psalm in my mind, I don't. I can go through probably football team after football team and tell you who all the quarterbacks are on these football teams. I could do that for probably the last 10 years. And the fact that I don't have psalms memorized that I can bring out and sing and know how to engage with them and have more than 15 or 20 is to my shame and to my detriment. I mean... When I talked to Jason Farley, one of the things that we were talking about on Knox Unplugged was that the people that come before us, a lot of our forefathers, historically, pre-Enlightenment era, these were the kind of people who actually exercised their memory and were taught things, and they remembered, they remembered them, and then they engaged with them. And we're the kind of people that are very lazy with our minds. Psalms in islands, reggae genre. I don't know about that one. I don't know. I mean, you could. I've always thought that some psalms could be really hardcore hip-hop. Um, I would have to pick those. I'm going to start a fight now with the song folks. They don't play about them songs. It's like, no, no. No piano. Nothing. Just voices. That's it. Okay. I'm not going to... Look, I just want people to start singing songs. That's all I want. That's kind of the whole point of this conversation, which I'm about to wrap up in a second because I've been going longer than what I intended to. My whole point is like, I know that my guys are not post-millennial. I know my guys at G3 aren't post-millennial, but I'm post-millennial. And so they don't have to believe what I believe in order for it to be true, but I at least should believe my own position to see the working hand of God in a movement or in something that might not be the way that I want it to be. And so my appeal really, really isn't for G3 folks. My appeal really isn't for um, anybody, any other ministry. My appeal is for my post-millennial people. Y'all, we have to be the kind of folks that when we see God moving, we learn to say, yeah, and you don't even know how much this lends itself to my worldview and be fine with that. I see... And a lot of people ain't going to like this. There's a lot of charismatic stuff going on right now all over the place. Hold on. Darren Stead just texted me. What are you texting me, Darren? Show me a link if you still have time, bro. I'd love to jump in on this. All right, Darren. Um, David Reese just got in here. 
David, I'm going to give you a chance to access, invite you to speak too, since you're popping in. And Darren Stead, I'm going to offer you a chance to speak as well. Um, David, I don't know why you need to get in. There we Can go. you hear me? Yeah, David, I don't know when you popped in on this, but uh, have you been hearing what I've been saying? I just popped in, and so I'm sorry. I was I was excited to hear you. So I, I don't know uh, I don't know what you're talking about. So I, basically, I'm, and you, I don't know. You might disagree with me on this, um, but what <laughs> you, you, you disagree with me a lot. You are just kind about it. <laughs> you tolerate. Hey, Darren, Darren Stead, are you on? Um, if you're on X, I'll give you a link. Um. But uh, my I, here's my consensus after being at the G3 conference. So I was out there for a while and was doing some filming out there. And I was so happy to see what all these people, these 8,300 people out there going to this conference, hearing teaching on the sovereignty of God. And, you know, the only person that I know is post-millennial out there really is James White, who was teaching from the stage. And they had a whole pre-conference against uh, Christian nationalism. The com- it was against uh, basically it was called gospel in the state, and I just kind of shoved that off to the side. But my whole point is to say that here it is: this conference, this large conference, and you have all these churches that are hearing about the sovereignty of God, and it's impossible for God not to take that and go back to the where these places are and to do two things: either bring covenant lawsuit where in which they call people to repent and then they do. And then if they, and then, or to bring covenant lawsuit another way where they don't repent and then there's judgment. It's, that's going to happen. And the people that come to this conference has learned about the sovereignty of God are going to be encouraged by the preaching and by the teaching that it, the spirit is going to have a work in that local church body that is going to cause the type of transformational change that we really need that can't come from the top down. And for me as a post-millennialist, I get excited about that because I know these guys aren't post-millennial and yet it still works out to that beautiful end of post-millennialism of the success of the gospel and the reign of Jesus Christ. All right, I'm going to shut up because I'm going to get excited again and then you won't say anything. So I, I think everything you said is true. I think that the truth of God, especially coming in the central message of the gospel in terms of, you know, the idea of the saving message of the Lord Jesus Christ as, as the message of mercy. And then the idea of the grace of God, the sovereign grace of God, that that's, that's, that's the message that principally is used for the conversion of souls. God uses the whole of his word to, you know, to illuminate people. He can convert people at any particular point, but people need to hear the message of the death of Christ. And they need to hear about the sovereignty of God in terms of, him being the one who chooses and saves. So when we have the reformed faith being preached at its core there and the authority of the scriptures being preached, the effect is that that is a, a word that brings blessing or, or it brings cursing. And, and so I agree with you that that the pounding of any scripture truth is useful for the building of the church and useful for bringing judgment for the destruction of the enemies of God. And, and so I, I absolutely agree with you on that. And I think that Calvinism prepares people to stop thinking about the creature as the preeminent thing. 
And so, you know, Calvinism sets people up to be post-millennial, to be theonomic, and to, to be willing to see the civil order submitted to the law of God. And without Calvinism, I mean, you're just going to have, you know, man-centric nonsense. And so, so I, I love that, and I agree with you. Um, and at the same time, there is so much need to push on this yes. and to try to get, get people to, to accept the particular truths. Yes. And we can't cower out because, you know, Luther said, you know, if you hold the word, if you hold the line on the word of God at every point, except for the point being attacked, you're a coward. Mm. And that's true of a soldier, right? If, if a soldier holds the line everywhere, except for the enemy's attacking, they're cowards. Right. And so that's, that's the, that's the thing I would want to emphasize there, but I agree with you. We can be happy whether the word is preached in pretense or in truth that the word is being preached. And and I think something too, David, that I, and I think I totally agree with you. And so I'm always going to hold my distinctives. I'm going to hold them very, very close to me. Like everybody knows I'm a theonymous, theonymous, post-millennial Presbyterian. They know that about me. It's not hidden. <laughs> it's very public. But what they don't see usually enacted inside of post-millennial theonomic guys, Presbyterian guys is the fact because we are at the anomic and post-millennial, everything that everybody is doing in one way or another, particularly in that of the church, is advancing our position whether or not they like it. <laughs> and so we have a lovely type of joyful demeanor as we're convincing our brothers of our particular distinctives. And that's the side I want to see more inside of our camp, Right. And I and I think that's going to offer. I love what you said the other day, and and I think you're right about that. You said that, um, David, and feel free to jump in here anytime you want to. But you said I'm not as much as I don't like the title of I do not like the Christian nationalism title. Don't like it. It's not the title. But I find myself a lot in the same relationship with my Christian nationalist brothers. And you made a very good point that when the world is using it to either divide the body of Christ because of the title. I'm always, every time, going to stand with my brothers. They will, they do not get to divide us because of that. And I thought that was a really good point. And so I also think us post-millennialists, if we're supposed to be mature and Presbyterians, I think we have a good opportunity to show what that maturity looks like. And when I'm around mature guys, those guys don't have a problem knowing that eventually, if you don't listen, you're going to hit a brick wall. And when you do, they just pick you up and then just say, I know, I told you, young buck. Come on, let me dash you off. I, I hold that our position is that kind of position where we can actually come beside our brothers and encourage them while we're convincing them. Oh, Scott Annual just said, musing on God's music, forming hearts of praise with the Psalms. I just put that up there, Scott. So, David, if you want to jump in there, go ahead. Otherwise, I'm going to go ahead and let Darren speak for a second. Uh-oh, I just lost you. Just lost you, David. Uh-oh, we lost David. Okay, he'll come back. I'll just put another one up there. Scott, Psalms and hymns to the living God. There goes another one. Scott, come in here and getting everybody all riled up. All right, Darren, you have the floor, sir. Mr. Stead, you got to unmute your mic. All right, there we go. What's up, brother? How you doing? Well, I don't know. I, I, because you're friends, I'm, oh my goodness, I'm playing favorites right now. Did you share the show? I did. Okay, well, in that case, you can speak. Uh, you, you don't can get to you speak. Just, 
You already knew I would have, though. That's okay. why. So, so. <laughs> well, no, actually, I just thought that you just came in and started talking. All right, brother, I'll, I'll give the floor to you and I'll shut up. No, no, I, I, I've really been enjoying uh, what you've been talking about the last 10 or 15 minutes here. Some of the thoughts that you shared are kind of what my thoughts were as we were at the G3 gathering. You know, there's 83, 86, 8,500 people or whatever was there. And uh, many times as I was engaging in conversations with different people there, you know, so I'm a post-millennial guy. I tend toward theonomy. I'm a Baptist. I mean, I know you're wrong about that whole Presbyterian thing, but, you know, we, we still brothers, you know. And uh, but I was thinking as I was having conversations with all the different people there, the kingdom of Christ is advancing here, regardless of whatever the theological differences or distinctives Thanks. are here. And it, it made me think of something else that happened. You know, Operation Save America did a big event in Georgia. And um, we had a bill there and we were doing some work there and we needed, we needed some help. We needed, to, uh, we needed somebody to host our event and so forth. And um, those guys at G3, man, they rolled out the red carpet for us. I mean, they didn't just host our event. They rolled out the red carpet to help us advance mm. the kingdom there in Georgia. Um, and, you know, not every church does that. A lot of churches are very, uh, very cautious about getting involved in a ministry like Operation Save America, where we're mobilizing people to the streets and, and things like that. And so I thought, you know, knowing those guys, having gotten to know them a little bit the way that I have, despite whatever disagreements there are about Christian nationalism or not Christian nationalism, there were guys that said things from the stage that I didn't agree with. Of course, everybody that was on the stage is smarter than I am. So uh, I always like to think of those things from that perspective as well. Like, okay, let me think about this. Somebody said something I disagree with. Let me take some time to think that through and consider it. But the kingdom was advancing. I mean, uh, the conversations in between sessions, the dinner you talked about, the dinner you and I had with Samuel Say and oh, some other brothers and sisters. Man, that was great. And I think we economic post-millennial people need to start thinking more that way. We don't have to, everybody doesn't have to agree with us and get on board with what we're doing in order for the kingdom of Christ to advance and in order for us to work together with them in advancing the kingdom of Christ. We go to the abortion mill with dispensationalists, with, you know what I mean, two kingdoms guys, with, you know, um, when you get in the, when you, I guess kind of where I want to go with this and I'll leave it at this is it's amazing. It's not that we don't want to fight through those things and have the arguments because we, sh we should, yes. but you have the argument, you have the argument in a different way. When you think it from the perspective of I'm in the trenches with these guys, we don't agree about everything, but we're in the trenches together. And the argument happens different when you're in the trenches with people rather than when you're just having an intellectual philosophical discussion about it. Well, and I, I, you know, I always say it like this too, Darren, and I think we were talking about this while we were sitting at the table. Um, oh, let me say this first about the round table. There was a round table. Uh, this is a good show. Thank you. Scott Annual quoted my tweet and said this was a good show. Scott, thank you very much. Because I was just about to talk about you, so you couldn't have, uh, you could have tweeted it better. Um, let, let, me, let me say this. Scott, at, as they were having the round table, Scott and, and Dr. White were very attractive to me in, in what they were saying. And Scott, yeah. when he was talking about Christian faithfulness, I was like, man, he pretty much summed up my position as a theonomic post-millennial person. Like, we can all get around there. We just disagree on maybe the timing of some of it or, you know, but we're not disagreeing on that it's coming and that it's happening. So I'm not, you know, I, part of it for me is I want to see us have more conversation and dialogue back and forth. And I think the more that we do, I think the better some of this is going to be worked out. And I've met some guys that were there that was pretty upset at me. 
and the more that we begin to talk, I, I wondered if like, I, you know, the, the conversation face to face made it seem more reasonable that there wasn't a keyboard or something to hide behind. Yeah. You know, and I and I think that that keyboard is hindering us from being able to have these conversations back and forth with each other. And so I I like the fact that it was removed. Now, um oh, what was I going to say? Oh, that's what I was going to say. I wrote some of it down. I I'm I think my Christian nationalist brothers I'm going to say something good about them right now. Um I think my Christian nationalist brothers and my people that are working in political science and my magisterial reform brothers and my theonomic postmill brothers that have a very rich historical theology, I think that they, I think that we can say, okay, I'm thinking about it like this. Oh, what's the fourth? Um, so you got army, you have Navy, you have air force. What's the other branch? Why am I forgetting the other branch? Uh, probably forgetting the Marines. Right, the Marines. The Marines. Is that what you're thinking of? Yes. If if I got it wrong, it's on Darren's. It's on Darren's head. <laughs> in case y'all are out there, but I think it's yeah, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. They got these different branches, and the people that work in the air. If uh, what's the good post move? Um, those people that work in the air, let them work in the air. That's what they do real good. That's what they do really, 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 really well. Yeah. And and if you are uh, if you are on the ground, or if you're in the water, work the water. Like work the water yeah. well. And yeah, you can have your fights about who's best and here and there, but y'all fighting in the same army on the same team. Learn how to have your disagreements while all pushing towards the same direction. And I'm going to say it: a lot of Christians that are inside of the CN world. There's there's few that that bring me as some concern, especially who don't want to use the law of God in applying the law to the civil magistrate or think that the yeah. thing is coercive from the top down instead of the bottom up. Those guys, I'm going to have a little bit of disagreement with, but I got to tell you, living underneath that type of environment where we can pull each other by our baptism and the word of God, I'd rather be living in that type of culture and environment and fighting that way than living where we got to figure out which one of us they're going to be hanging next. Yeah. Because when it comes time, we will all hang together. They won't know the difference between even the charismatic brothers that we always are. I, I, I always like to call my charismatic cousins because we don't want to even consider them <laughs> brothers. But those guys and a Presbyterian Baptist, um, Anglican, they, they, we're not going to, they're going to throw us all together who are going to be faithful. And they won't say, well, you're a theonomist and you're an all-mill guy, you're a post-mill guy, and you're a... Uh, you're Christian. You're all the same. <laughs> and there's some, I would rather be under the, those guys who are working. There's a lot of guys out there who are doing really good political Christian political philosophy and we need them right now. And there's a lot of people out there who, who don't have any good political Christian philosophy. And, the, and, and that's just not their thing. That's not what they do. But just because that's not what you do, don't poo-poo on it. And and so, like, my Christian nationalists, they're, they're doing some really good things. There's some guys out there who are doing some really good political work, Christian work, with a title that I don't like very much <laughs> because I think words right. matter. <laughs> right? I really do think words matter. We're those kind of people who think words matter. Let's come on, guys. Come on with it. But a national Christianity, 
you know how I know everybody agrees with national Christianity in one way or another? Because none of them would allow idolatry to exist. Yeah. Right. And and the ones who do now, those I will say some of those guys, I think we all look at them a little sideways, like, no, we have to make sure that the mosque Muslim prayer is heard across every part of our nation, because otherwise we wouldn't have freedom of speech. Or we got to make sure that we have Hindu temples right next to churches because we need to be fair and equal. Now, that I'd be a little concerned about because, like, now you're saying that a state can't protect itself against treason. Right? Like, that's that's what you're saying. Of course, you really don't believe that. So, but I don't think that the most of the guys who are having this conversation, the guys who are trying to figure out how to build up the church so that the church can advance in the world, they might not consider that post-millennialism, but that's exactly what it is. Right? And the church won't just advance in America. The church will advance all over the whole world. Okay, I'll give you a, a chance to jump in here. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with everything that you just said there. I mean, one of the things I like to say is, you know, there won't be enough water to baptize by immersion in the gulags. You know, and, and you know, that's kind of like, that's, that's my way of just kind of saying, here's the reality. And I shared this with you when we were at dinner the other night. We should be having these fights with one another. We should be having the fight, A, and B, we should be having the fight as brothers, and that's important. And um, the reality is a lot of these differences of opinion regarding politics, which I think Baptists, if you look at John Gill, John Gill has a very developed theology of um, church and state government. He has a very developed political theology, but he's kind of an outlier. But here, here's the reality. It's something to consider, which which is this. If you're a theonomic, if you're a Christian nationalist, if you're a hardcore two kingdoms guy or pick whatever other camp I'm not thinking about that you're in, but you agree that what we have right now is an unjust society by God's standard. I would hope that everybody at least could agree with that premise. <laughs> if you agree with that, Go I'm, I'm happy. I have a hard time imagining that we, if we're Christians and we believe the Bible's the word of God, I have a hard time believing we couldn't at least agree with that. Some of these things that we're arguing about and fighting about in terms of practical, tangible reality, we're 50 years or a hundred years from seeing any of that actually matter in real life. Yeah. So let's have the fight. Like I'm good with having the argument. Let's have the argument, but let's have the argument as brothers because in the meantime, people are killing babies. In the meantime, Little children are having their genitals chopped off. You know what I mean? Like in the meantime, the world is going to hell in a handbasket and the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ is the answer. And so let's have the fight among ourselves. But there's this whole real fight happening outside of our four walls out there. And we actually all agree about the steps really that need to be taken right now. And we're 50 or 100 years from some of these things that we disagree about tangibly in the culture. And so that's something I always like to think about when I'm talking through and thinking about these things in conversation is you're magisterial, you're two kingdoms, I'm theonomic or 1689. And there's, you know, maybe my, maybe I draw the lines when it comes to general equity in different places you draw the lines or whatever. In reality, that doesn't really matter that much right now. So let's debate that. That's good to do. It's nourishing for the soul. But let's also remember we're debating and fighting as brothers and the real fight is actually out there. And we really have a lot of commonality when it comes to what's actually happening in the real world right now. Yeah. I, and I would say it differently, Darren, I would say that that's actually all those things absolutely do matter right now. Like absolutely do matter. And we are having that 
fight and, and conversation, but they're being applied. My point is that regardless of how immediate we can exercise our beliefs in to their fullest extent, the foundation for all of them is being poured. And because I am post-millennial, that foundation is being poured and built upon even for those people who don't necessarily think that that's what they're doing. Because right. that's actually how you went. And so I, I agree, like in one sense, like we can't, um, we're not talking about enforcing the first table of the law right now or not. It's like, yeah, that, you, that's not even on the table at this point. Whether or not homosexuals should, um, you know, uh, be allowed to live in, uh, what, what, how is that? Whatever the case is, like some of that's not even, like, can we just get you to stop dancing naked in front of kids? It'd be really nice. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. right? Exactly. Like, that'd be, that'd be, you know, it's a good start. If we can get people to care. I've always thought about it like this. Can we get people, and uh, not people, can we get Christians to care about the education of their children to the point where they say, I will sacrifice whatever it takes for them not to go to government schools and be trained by the enemy? Right. And every right. time we are sending our kids to government schools, we are saying the quiver that God has given me and the arrows that he has put in that quiver, I'm giving it to the enemy. Yeah. That's what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And so if yeah. we can... You know, and so I, those are, um, uh, I'm sorry. I just, when I get a text message from Doug Tenapel, I always want to know what he's talking about. Um, uh, but those are the things that I'm like, we have the positions. It's just, you know, we got to remember the baby steps. And I think there's ways for us to do that as, as those guys who, um, are post millennial in our position. And I, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be dismissive, but I just think that there's a way to be happy and have the argument that we're having and really engage. I'm not yeah. giving up my position. I'm not giving up my position right. because that's that's yeah. I'm convicted by it. Um, Amen. I agree. Yeah. I, and so and I, and I don't think that they're going to give up their position because they're convicted by it. But when I see everybody moving in the post millennial position, I'm like, man, these guys are. Do you do you think that any one of us could have Christianized. Um, I mean, the, between the semi-reform guys, the uh, 1689 reform guys and the Presbyterians would have been able to do what the gospel has done by the work of the charismatic movement in Africa. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. You know, and like, I mean, and let you me put, said let me, some stuff about, let me put the caveat on it real quick because everybody's going to say, but Nas, do you understand how crazy it is over there in Africa and all the charismatic mania that's out there? It's insane. All the charismatic stuff. I just want to put the caveat on it. Yeah, I get it. And yet the gospel is being preached to the point that they are functioning in an infantile way, but it doesn't mean yeah. that God won't, where did you come from? Come on, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like we act like I was a charismatic dude who loved Jesus. I was speaking in tongues, falling out on the floor, laying hands on people, preaching and all that kind of stuff. And I loved me some Jesus. And I was ignorant to all the stuff that the Bible taught, but I love Jesus. And the charismatic movement has gone and been out there and and it permeates. After, what is God going to do with that? As the church continues to, could you imagine if a G3 happened over there and they started building up Oh my goodness. What would, yeah. what would it look like? And so while it's and that's, not, go ahead. No, I was just, I mean, that's, that goes back to what you were saying, right? When I was first coming on here, which is this idea that like take Africa as an example, you know, there's places in Africa where there's no gay marriage right now. Not only is it not permitted by the civil government, 
but it's it's punished by the civil government. And some of those places, Christianity has permeated the culture with some really bad theology. Yeah. And we can't say like we can say two things at the same time. Right. Yeah, yeah. We can both say there's some really bad theology here and then also say, praise God that the gospel is permeating the culture and the kingdom of Christ is advancing there. And I know that some people would push back at that against that and they would say, well, that's not the kingdom of Christ. Well, maybe in some instances, the theology is so bad that the gospel has been abandoned. But from what I understand from the missionaries that I know there, it is the true and living gospel that's going forth in many of those places. And despite, despite some of the really bad theology, we can say, and that's what we need to be able to do here. We should still be able to say, if you're two kingdoms, if you're two kingdoms, uh, you know, magisterial guy, you know, whatever, and I'm a theonomist, you should be able to say, I think that theology is really bad. And I should be able to say, well, I think your theology is really bad. And we should have a robust, joyful debate about that because what you said is true. We're laying the foundations, and that's very important. But we should – my, my point, which I think is along the lines of what you were talking about, is – which is why I think you go to like G3 conference where maybe you disagree with their eschatology or whatever else is, yeah, but the kingdom of Christ is advancing here. And yeah, we have these differences and arguments but if we want the gospel to permeate the culture, we have to have these dif- dis- disagreements and differences robustly on the one hand and as brothers on the other hand. And you have to have both. That's how the kingdom of Christ advances. And I'll say this, because I'm post-millennial and because I'm theonomic, I think post-mill should lead the way on that because we're the ones that think that we're laying the foundation for something here. We're the ones that believe that we're looking out into the future, um, you know, hundreds of years and thousands of years from now that we're building a foundation that's going to last beyond us and our children and our children's children, we should engage with our brothers and sisters in Christ who don't agree with us as though we actually believe that that's true. Mm. That in the way we behave toward other Christians. I think that's really important. That's all you was going to say. I was just going to give you 100 on that one. I believe that too. And, and, and something else too. I, I ran into a lot of people that, you know, and I, I, I don't know. I, everybody thought I was a Christian nationalist. It's really weird. That, guys, I'm a theonomist. I'm a theonomist. <laughs> I don't like the name Christian nationalism. Um, national yeah, Christianity, praise God for that. Buddy Davis, what's up, yo? I see you, fam. I miss you and your wife at G3, but, you know, I forgive you. Um, but, hey, you can come out to the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference that's going on October 11th through the 14th at the Ark Encounter. Uh, yes, buddy, come on out there. Darren, are you coming to that conference? I'm coming, sir. That's the plan. Yes. Oh, made the decision today. <laughs> oh, it's it's going to be really interesting. I'm wondering how I'm going to feel because our conference is in like two weeks. I'm wondering how I'm just I mean, when you step back and you look at what God is doing, he's I mean, it seems really awesome. You kind of have all this stuff and even the tensions. I said this earlier that when God gives you a problem and when God gives you drama or issue, you say thank you for it. And you ask him, to, Lord, help me to be faithful in this moment. And, and I bring that up because when the, the dude pulled, or not pulled the fire alarm, but when he came, hey, there's a fire alert, there's a bomb in the building, and he he thought he was going to, uh, you know, ruin G3's event for the movie night. It just reminded me, he had no idea, he was not intending that G3 would get more attention than they probably would have. That wasn't his end to get them all that attention. And yet they got all that attention because of what he thought was wicked. God used it for good. And what is today? Marvelous Mondays are about the idea that when the wicked plots to do something, 
that God has already planned that that wickedness of their doing is the trap that they fall into. They wanted G3 to fade away and go to black and not be the important at all. And any, and by the time he gets done, it's all over social media. These people are acting like Christians, trusting the sovereignty of God, and it blows up everywhere. And I don't even think that it's done. I think there's going to be more news stories. They just gave a huge story. Like, it's like, man, if they would have known what they was doing when they killed Jesus, they wouldn't have done it, right? <laughs> they didn't know. That was a victory. Guys, we believe, this is my post-millennialism coming out. We believe in death and resurrection. So when we see something that's death or that's going to kill and to destroy, we trust in God that he will bring us back from the dead. So what looks like our undoing ends up become our blessing. And what they intended for evil, God intends for good. And so I, when I saw that, I was like, oh my goodness, this, nothing, this couldn't have been better for G3. This couldn't have been better. Because now they're going to have a stage to even be bigger than what they were before because some idiot thought it would be a great idea to try and shut them down and scare them. You have no idea how much God loves his people, you fool. And I mean that. You have no idea how much God is always going to take those things, the blood of his beloved saints, and use it either for judgment or use it for the advancement of the kingdom of God. You better leave his folks alone. You better repent and fall to your knees because you're messing with God's bride and he don't play. He don't play, fam. And so it was just catapulted of, of victory and blessing from this. And it's like, man, look at God. Look what God did through this. And that's just, that is just the one thing that was obvious in that moment, let alone the other couple of days of what God is going to be doing in those local churches as they advance the kingdom of God and teach people how to love their wives and how to love their kids and how to love their, their local churches and love their politicians. And they're going to say, what does it look like for a politician to honor God in this environment? Because I know that I'm the, the, the head, household, head of my household. I have to protect my people. What does protection look like? Well, it's in God's word. Somebody said, Jared Dow said, bro, we need that preach preacher button for you sometimes. <laughs> I do. Preach, preach. I got it over here. I just ain't hitting it that very much. But so I just, this is, this was just the beginning. I'm about to wrap it up because I have to go. And my wife, my wife, she, I love her. She's so good. She said, uh, I'm listening to you on YouTube at some girl. Okay. Going great. Thank you, baby, for listening. I appreciate it. I don't care about the rest of y'all. As long as my wife is, I could have did this whole thing just for her. It's just been me and you. And I've been, actually, some of our conversations go like this. She always has um, better things to add than Darren does. No offense, Darren, but, you know, you cool. Um, so I just want us to remember, like, as post-millennialists, as people who believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to have success, and gonna oh Jared Longshore. Yeah, Jared, I can't talk to you right now. I'm live streaming, Jared. Um Jared, you didn't interrupt my whole train of thought. You don't have to chill. I'll call you back in a second. Um, we need to remember that the gospel is going to be successful. Dot the end. And it might not always be the way that we want it to be, that everybody holds our positions the way that we hold them. But as people who are post-mill, we see that God does, God does things in weird, 
odd ways that we would have never done it that way. The way that I came into a reformed post-millennial position from a charismatic background, that's not the way I want my kids to come in. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't want my kids to come through some charismatic environment where they're speaking in tongues, get baptized five or six times, roll around in the spirit, and don't understand um, a whole bunch of theology. So make I don't want them to come in that way. I want my kids to come in the exact way that I'm in right now. I want them to be baptized. I want them to come to grow up only knowing Jesus. That's the way I want. And I want that to be for everybody. But God doesn't always bring people in that way. And so God tends to really have fun with the story. And he tends to make people that don't hold to your theological position bring about his sovereign end and success that you wouldn't have planned it like that. And I think we got to remember that. This is not always what we would have planned it. Look, and when, let me tell you something, man. Oh, I should shut up. I should need to stop talking. When the statement on the social justice and the gospel came out, the conversation on theonomy had been happening for a very long time. And people had to go to a Christian political philosophy real quick to figure out how in the world do we start dealing with this social justice stuff. The good news was you had some good theonomists in the cut who've been kind of waiting for this moment, who knew how to deal with it, right? I wish there was more Presbyterians who knew how to deal with it, but they, they started really going in and reminding people that the law of God has something to say. And not just them. A lot of people who would never claim theonomy started functionally acting like them. We have a book. It's God's world. It's God's rules. He gets to make them up. And this is God's world, it's God's rules, and you are required to obey him. I mean, when you hear somebody say that, or somebody come up with a duck by what standard, that's a beautiful thing. And so rather than saying, oh, you ain't this and you ain't that, you come behind those people and you say, way to go. Good job. Do it again. Good job. I like what you're doing. You know, the post mill in me is happy. And you tell them to do it again. <laughs> you encourage them. You encourage them. And that's what we need to be. When we see our brothers doing something and we have a disagreement, why are we so fast to want to criticize our brothers that are trying to serve the Lord? And along the way, they might make some mistakes when you see and you say, hey, bro, that was good. I like what you did there. Let me let me offer this to you. But what we do is we want to try and get that social media audience and that social media crowd. So we make sure that we write the most criticizing thing we can to get in the audience around it. Because we think if we can make them not follow that way, that therefore God will work the way that we want them to work. God don't work like that. God takes your brother, puts him in a pit, and then has him be a great servant and work his way until he gets up to Pharaoh's right-hand man, and then you come to him sometimes. It, it doesn't, I mean, we, we got all these stories of how God does stuff like this in the Bible. Hold your convictions fast. I'm not saying that. I'm not changing. I'm always pushing, but I see God's hand working towards my theological understanding constantly. And when I see that, I'm like, man, look at God and how he's using this. And these people don't even agree with me. I think we can use a lot of that when it comes to some of our charismatic brothers. I think we, I think we can use a lot of that when it comes to them. Man, I used to be a charismatic. I totally get where they're coming from. And we're so quick to just throw this label out on them. So quick as heretic and this like immaturity sometimes. 
There are some wolves. I'm not saying they aren't, but all of them ain't. Some of them need a friend that's going to invite them over to the house and talk doctrine with them and disciple them and teach them. They love them some Jesus. What they don't have is a friend that knows, oh, man, this guy's probably going the right direction. He wants to go this direction. He doesn't know what this. And you know what? Just a straight out fight is not going to work. How do I show him what true doctrine looks like in practice so that he can taste that and say, oh, yes, that's it. And all of our theology and all of our knowledge that we understand about apologetics and presupposition apologetics, most of that stuff is for us so that we can be persuasive in our arguments to our brethren and persuasive to those people who aren't, but primarily with our brothers, we should be super persuasive. So that said, man, what a marvelous Monday. And a whole marvelous weekend too. It was great. A whole lot of unintentional post-millennialism was taking place. <laughs> It was so good. So good. And Paul Washer. Oh, of course, Paul Washer was great. Um, thank you guys for joining me on the first. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it, man. The first Marvelous Monday officially. The official first Marvelous Monday. You guys being with me. I'm so grateful. So many people on YouTube and social media and in spaces. Y'all are the best, man. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for bearing with me as I'm trying to put together shows. Remember what's going to happen this week. If you haven't been listening, I'm going to try and get something tomorrow. But we have CRAC Council this week. And we're going to have pastors in for like five hours. Just a live stream going. I don't think I'll be able to do anything else after that so we're going to do that a full live stream with all the pastors from the CRAC because the CRAC council is happening so we're going to update you guys on what's going on with the CRAC with cross politic that we're going to just host them and do as much as we can possibly do while these pastors are in town and bless you guys with that content so David Bonson will be doing a live show here at the New Art Theater in Moscow Idaho with the one and only David Bonson on Thursday September 28th and I'm going to try and do sneak in my show on Friday with David Reese, where we talk about family Friday last week was so good. Go listen to Friday's uh, spaces, or you can find it on inside the fight, laugh, feast app It's called pub TV, download that and listen to the Knox unleashed with uh, David, uh, David Reese, as he talks about the core structure of the family and what dominion looks like, how dominion works itself out in three areas and the prophet priest and King. Ugh so good and then he just lays it all out and he's going to get into civic covenanting i think a word that we need to be using a lot more in the issues of our civil magistrate as we deal with our politicians how does politics work if you don't know how the family works or the family should work you're not going to understand this whole conversation of nationalism and, and covenanting and, and civil magistrate and politics you're not going to get that stuff god created the structure it's all back in genesis which is why if you haven't registered yet for the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference that we're having this October 11th through the 14th at the Ark Encounter, fightlaughfeast.com. Go check out the website. Check out the Ark Encounter. It's going to be an absolute blast. It's on the politics of six-day creation. Everything. You get the story of Genesis wrong, you get it all wrong. You, get the, you misunderstand what's happening there and what God is doing. That's why you don't get dominion right. 
and, and you don't understand how wide and far spread the effect of the gospel is when Jesus comes in and restores everything that man lost back right. So until next time, hopefully it's tomorrow. Don't forget that God knows how to take the traps that the wicked have set for his people and flip them upside down and curse those who are trying to curse God's people and to the bless God's people and lift them up above the curse. God bless you guys. Thank you for joining me.